Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Draft Eve 2022, everybody. The Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock. They have been for months, days remaining, hours remaining, as we are now just about oh, 30 hours or so, under 30 hours, away from the 2022 NFL Draft, where the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick. But that's not it. It doesn't stop there. 33 is a big one. 65 and 70 should be big picks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are they going to do? And did a move today once again tip the Jags' hand at what they are going to do at number one overall and where their needs might now fit best player available? And where on the graphing line do those two things intersect for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I've got many a thoughts on that as we continue to get new information here on the 2022 NFL Draft on a Wednesday in Jacksonville, Florida. Stuart Weber, by the way, will join us at least via the interview form as he is out in Las Vegas and caught up with Aiden Hutchinson. Could be the number one overall pick. Evan Neal could be the number one overall pick. Iki Aquanu could be the number one overall pick. Did not catch up with Trayvon Walker. He is not in Vegas for the draft. He, though, too, could be the number one overall pick. Brent Martineau. And Casey Kurtz, again, here on a, another edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Take you up until 6 o'clock. And then Casey and Brian Middleton have Action Sports Shacks OT. We just did the Dream 18 show, which we do on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. Casey's got his hands full. We've got a Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp game tonight as well as they continue to play in Charlotte. And, oh, by the way, what a nice local day. The Jacksonville Icemen are in action once again tonight at home at Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, looking to take a 3 to nothing lead in the ACHL playoffs against Atlanta. So a ton to get to, but let's begin with Cam Robinson and the extension. This should not be news, folks, that there's an extension for Cam Robinson. We saw it coming. The Jacksonville Jaguars told us it was coming. I told you if they were being this publicly willing to admit that they wanted to get an extension done with Cam Robinson, that they definitely had motivation to get it done, and they would get it done. Well, they did uh, today. They have not officially announced it, but obviously the reports are out that the uh, three-year, $54 million deal is agreed upon with Cam Robinson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it's a good deal for both sides, by the way. It doesn't tie the Jags super long-term. Uh, Cam Robinson gets paid, but also will have another chance down the road to get paid even bigger dollars if he can prove that he's the guy, an elite guy, and still room to grow in that contract and in his game. So I love this deal for the Jags. As long as they were really wanted Cam Robinson, which it proves that they did, then I like the deal for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's debatable whether the Jaguars should ride with Cam Robinson. Certainly a debate. But they chose to go there. They did that with the franchise tag. They're doing that with the extension. And now what's the domino effect on tomorrow night in the draft room for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, keep in mind, this might be new information to everybody else. This is not new information to the Jags. I just said this. They have told people multiple times in the last two months that they wanted to keep Cam Robinson. And they wanted to extend Cam Robinson. Well, that was their plan. It's not like this changes the draft board. They were going to get this done. They had confidence they were going to get this done, and they got it done. 
And so the Jags draft board shouldn't change. And now for all the folks that think Equanu and Neal could be playing guard for a year and then kick out to left tackle, well, that too I never thought was going to happen because of what the Jags said. They wanted to get an extension done with Cam Robinson. So now if you want offensive linemen at number one overall for the Jags, I like the debate. I think it's a fun debate. It's a healthy debate. I don't see too much logic in it, but that's me, and we can have differing opinions. But now, you really know you're drafting a guy that most likely is going to be a guard going forward. And are you going to take, in the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, a guard for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Now, you could say, Brent, he could still win that right tackle job, and I would say, what about Walker Little? I know Jawan Taylor, sure, he's beatable, but why did you draft Walker Little last year then? So... There's a lot of dominoes that fall now when it comes to the Jags, the number one overall pick, the Cam Robinson extension, and what they might do next. But the big news, Cam is here to stay. The Jags get a deal done. And now have they solidified their line enough to feel comfortable with going edge rusher, pass rusher, defensive lineman in some capacity at number one overall in the draft tomorrow. Casey, I don't think you were a big offensive line guy to begin with, but I would assume this would punch the ticket to be a pass rusher for the Jags at number one in your mind, too. Yeah, I was definitely pro pass rush, non-pro offensive line, but now I think it's a it's a done deal, hopefully, and it is in my opinion. I think you did the right move with Cam Robinson. Can you, like you said, can, is there better options available in the NFL? There are better players at left tackle, but Cam Robinson has been solid. He was solid last year, and he, he played his way into this contract, in my opinion. To your point again, not a huge contract, and you're not tied to him for life, which is cool. It's good for Cam because he also gets paid. So I'm I'm all for the move that was made today, and I think it's a good one. And to that point, yeah, you're not drafting a left guard number one overall in the draft. We've we've talked about it with the idea you could go to tackle. That's done. Cam Robinson is the left tackle for the Jags for the foreseeable future. And you're not drafting a left guard at number one overall, I hope. Because, one, you need to upgrade a pass rusher, but take that out of it if you want. You're ready to get laughed at again by the national media? Take a guard after you just signed a left tackle to a long-term extension. It's, it's, it should be locked up. They're taking a pass rusher. Now, who is it? The question is still out there. But I think anything other than someone who rushes the passer at 8 o'clock tomorrow night would be shocking at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I... But I can't get everybody off that. No, it's okay. Like, I, I understand solidifying the offensive line. We've had so many debates about it. I'm not going to get back into it. You know where I stand on it. Uh, but let's start with this. Are you okay with Cam Robinson? You kind of just said it. But are, are, should we be okay with Cam Robinson being the left tackle for the next few years of the Jaguars? He's got the blind side of Trevor Lawrence. Sure, you could upgrade. I think, sure, you could do worse. I think they like Cam Robinson. And by the way, this is like the third regime that has liked Cam Robinson. This is from Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell to Dave Caldwell, Trent Balky, Urban Meyer to Trent Balky, and now Doug Peterson. That's multiple offensive line coaches, multiple head coaches, a couple of GMs. They like Cam Robinson. Like, I understand some fans don't, and I understand there could be an upgrade because there can be an upgrade at just about every position for the Jags, but they like what they they have in this guy. Do we like what they have in this guy? Does Trevor like what they have in this guy? And is it okay going forward? Can they start building this thing with Cam Robinson as their left tackle? I think so. I mean, 
Listen, I think he's done enough to prove he was solid last year. Uh, obviously, I think, I mean, we know that Trevor Lawrence isn't making the calls, but I think if Trevor Lawrence was terrified to play behind Cam Robinson, I think we would have uh, known that by what they did. But I, I'm I'm content with it. He's played a lot of football. He has missed some games. I, I understand that. But he's been more good than bad, and I think it's a perfect place to start rather than starting over because it, even if you drafted one of these tackles, we have no idea if they're going to be good. That's how the draft works. This guy, you understand what you're going to get. He's been solid for the last couple of years. He's been consistent as well, and he's gotten better. You can see that in my opinion. So I think I'm comfortable with it. I hope Trevor Lawrence is comfortable with it, and I think they're in a good spot by keeping this guy around. Yeah, and so, listen, the debate now is if you pick Neil or Iquano, will they play right tackle? Like, it's not who they play guard. It's who they play right tackle. And so, can you take those two guys and put them at right tackle? Well, sure you can. They both can play there. But where does logic come into play? And that doesn't make sense. Sure, they can be better than Jawan Taylor. They might be better than Walker Little. We have no idea if they're better than Walker Little, by the way. But Walker Little, you just took a 45th overall pick last year on him. And we've seen him play like two games, two and a half, something like that. And... And he was fine. Yeah. Like, that shouldn't be alarming right now. So, I guess what happens if you take a Quanu Neal, sure, you can move somebody to guard and all that. But for the value and where you're picking them and, and the common sense of it, you really would likely want to play that guy at right tackle because the value of the right tackle position has certainly increased over the years. And... Well, what does that mean for Jawan Taylor? Okay, people be like, so what? Make him your swing guy, your backup guy, your whatever guy. He hasn't done enough the last couple of years. Okay. Well, what does that mean for Walker Little? Well, make him your swing guy. Make him whatever, your backup guy. It's like, really? Why then? What are we doing? We have all, There's too many guys over there. And while Walker Little might be an unknown, well, so is Iquanu and Neal at the NFL level. Might be better projections, but they're also unknowns at right. the NFL level. I, it just can't find the logic, Casey. I, I guess it's a little bit like pass rusher where, Brent, you can't have too many. You can't have too many. I get that, but only so many play. <laughs> exactly. Only so many play. And I think in terms of Walker Little, you're right. He was he was okay when we saw him play. Like, we obviously need to see more of him. And I think that will be an interesting conversation between him and Jawan Taylor in training camp, obviously. So I like the idea of giving those two an opportunity to earn it. Jawan Taylor has obviously had his fair share of problems i guess you can say good guy by all accounts um, i remember taking a video of him signing for the fans when we were in la so a good guy but gotta prove it so i think having those two have a battle in training camp and hopefully working one-on-one against whoever they draft in the pass rush department would be cool um, but i think that's where they should leave it at by the way brent just for fun when was the last time cam robinson got called for holding in your guess oh, that's a good question um I don't think he was a highly penalized guy last year. Uh, I, I had earlier concerns about him. In, in for, I, have, I have concerns about Cam in two respects before I answer your question. It's sure. inconsistencies and sometimes the injury and banged up, but he's actually played through a lot too. Tough dude. Um, so I would say, because I don't think you'd ask this question for me, but you're going to tell me that he didn't have one last year, so it would be like 2020. I'm going to tell you the last time Cam Robinson was called for holding, according to Pro Football Reference, was December 8th of 2019. Really? Against the Chargers, yeah. He did not get called for holding, accepted penalty for holding in 2020 or 2021. Now, false start maybe a couple times, but he has not held since 2019. That's pretty incredible. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, is that's been a major problem for Juwan Taylor. 
is not just the holding, but the penalties in general. Way too many penalties for Jawan. And, you know, he actually played pretty well his, his uh, rookie season. He still had a lot of penalties. But outside of that, he played pretty well. Well, now he's played inconsistent. He's played worse. Uh, he continues to be a topic of discussion, so much so that we're still having these discussions because he hasn't locked it down, and the penalties are still there. So that's the problem a bit with Jawan Taylor. I'll give you something else about these offensive linemen, Casey. Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson, who the Jags picked up in the second round, they were both projected as first-round guys. Jawan Taylor was projected as a top-ten guy. Now, there are some injury concerns, I think, on the knee is what came about, I think, when we were in Nashville for that draft back in 2018. That was the draft the Jags also selected Josh Allen. But he was like a top-ten guy. Yeah. And people thought the Jags at seven might take him. I remember. And obviously Josh Allen fell to him, and I don't think they were taking Taylor anyway because uh, I think they were really taking Hawkinson at the tight end spot. That's who they were going to take if Allen didn't fall to them. But – I just want do could we see a scenario where Aquanu or Neil, for whatever reason, have been thrown way up on the boards, yet might drop, especially if the Jags don't take them at number one. Yeah, I think that's always a possibility in the draft because you have these guys that get pushed up that we, and honestly, don't really know how anybody feels about them because nobody's out there saying at least the GM of a team is not like, hey. We love this guy so much, he might be our number one pick. You know, that doesn't happen in the NFL draft. So I think you get these guys pushed up, and we really don't know. Obviously, in terms of Evan Neal playing in Alabama, you might be able to point to it and say, you know what, he's gone against tougher competition. But at the NC State level, we don't know. Like, we have no idea. So it would not shock me to see these guys end up at 7, at 10, and farther down, because if the Jags start the run on pass rushing now that we think that might be, you might see teams get desperate for one of those top – four elite pass rushers that we think there are, and everything could change at that point. Well, there's one other part of this that we don't know, and it's the medicals. Yeah, we sure. never know the medicals. And is that a reason why Kayvon Thibodeau has slipped? And we just don't know. Would we have heard it by now? Maybe. It's obviously, if there are any injury concerns with these guys, they're not to the point, like, let's just go back to a Miles Jack where a lot of people thought he'd go in the top ten, but everybody knew about the knee. How would people react to the knee? He slipped all the way to the second round. Jags took him and actually benefited from that, I think. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not saying that these guys are hurt. I'm just telling you that that is an unknown factor for all of us that we don't know. Aiden Hutchinson. You know, he missed time quite a bit. Uh, that had been two years ago. And so... Like, are there any hidden injury concerns, lingering concerns, projectable concerns that the doctors saw at the combine that have knocked these guys down the list a little bit, even just a little bit? And it could be a separator. And so, again, I'm not telling you that's the case. I just wonder because I don't think any of us that were sitting in Nashville back a few years ago were thinking Jawan Taylor was going to be available for the Jags in the early second round. That just wasn't the story. It wasn't the case. And then, boom, all of a sudden on draft day, like that was not one that preceded the draft, that all these concerns, concerns, concerns. I mean, I was there. They're, they're, people weren't talking about him slipping to the second round if the medicals don't check out. They were like, he's going to be a top 10, top 12 kind of guy. And then on draft day, he slips out, and then some of the stories come from, and it might have been a knee or it might have been a this concern or that concern. So, Look out for that tomorrow. It's something we can't debate very often or talk about because we don't know. We don't have the information that they have uh, there. Uh, It seems like with the Cam Robinson signing, 
I don't know what the odds were going into the day, but now that Cam Robinson's signing, I gotta believe, Casey, the odds went way up for guys like Neil and Iquanu. Uh, they were already going up, I think plus 750 and plus 1600, I think it was, for Neil, uh, 750 for Iquanu. Uh, kind of going into this week when everything shifted and it went in the favor of Trayvon Walker. So, um, again, if you like the offensive linemen and you really like it and really think they're going to do it, you might want to put a dollar on it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good call. I'm looking at it right now on just one website. And uh, to your point, Evan Neal is pretty much out of the conversation at this point if you look at these odds, plus 3,000. But right now your your leader is Trevon Walker at minus 300. On this specific website, Aiden Hutchinson is up to plus 300, wow. and then Iki Aquanu is at plus 400. So there's wow, a head. Aquanu's kind of close that gap. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of surprised to see that now at this point. Um, Thibodeau is at plus 5,000 for those wondering. But wow. Yeah, it, it, if, if you if you're asking this specific website, it's a one horse race for the number one overall pick in Trevon Walker because minus 300 is heavy now in this specific situation where literally anything could happen, minus 300 is heavy favorite for Trevon Walker to be the number one pick on Thursday night. Yeah, that sure is, man. That is a big-time favorite. Let me ask you this. Why why do we think Neal has slipped and Iquanu has elevated? If you look at Neal, I think there's a lot to like about this guy. I think, first of all, it's Alabama. The tape against some big-time performers on the defensive side looks really good. Like, he's got some really good tape, and I don't watch a lot of tape, but he's got really good tape against, again, good pass rushers, big-time teams. He looks really good. He also has versatility in his position where he's played guard, played right tackle, played left tackle, and he did it for Alabama, which just means more. It's the SEC. Right. Yeah. So why is that – but why hasn't he – Where's Aquano come from? Has everybody just dove into the tape better? Do they now think this guy's just an animal and his instincts and his, his power and everything else is just that much better? I don't know why we're seeing the differentiation between Neil and Iquanu so much, other than I know the people that we interact with on a daily basis do prefer Iquanu, and many of them will, will really go to the wall for Iquanu to be picked number one. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's it's an interesting thing that has turned about. I would guess in this specific situation, you look at a guy like Evan Neal who's taller and bigger, and you say, all right, that guy is an offensive tackle. Right or left, we're going to keep that guy a tackle. This is just my speculation. When you look at Iki Aquanu, he's 6'4", so smaller, uh, weighs a bit less. So I think in terms of the odds, if you're looking at picking a guard, I think Iki Aquanu would be the guy that ends up being a guard in terms of Evan Neal probably is a guy that would rather and fill out better as a tackle. So for the Jags odds, at least, that would be my guess on why that would happen. Yeah, we'll uh, see exactly how it shakes out. i got to believe there is a bucket over here of pass rushers and a bucket over here of offensive linemen, and there is a big difference inside the building of Jags headquarters on which way the Jags are going. I think uh, it's going to the bucket of pass rushers, and I don't believe there's any doubt about it. Uh, Action Sports Jacks has the draft covered here on ESPN 690, on CBS 47, on Fox 30, on social media. Been live since uh, 6 a.m. this morning already. We'll be live all night long, live all day tomorrow. We have special 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. on our TV side on Fox 30. We will go side-by-side with the draft, full reaction, all Jags, all the time. ESPN 690 will carry the draft. So uh, it is a draft bonanza 
here with Action Sports Jacks. And we have Action Sports Jacks Stuart Weber in Las Vegas. He catches up with Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, Iki Aquanu, and more. Some of those conversations coming up on ESPN 690 here on a Wednesday on the eve of the 2022 NFL Draft. We've known that for four months. I mean, they've been trying to replace Sam Darnold. They've been scouring the earth for quarterback help. So it would be hot news that they don't take a quarterback somewhere in the draft. The problem is they only have the sixth pick, no day two pick, and they really want to tackle. And they like some of these top three tackles like the NC State kid. So they're trying to maneuver that. In a perfect world, they could trade back, go get a day two pick, and then take a quarterback somewhere in the teens. Yeah, that's a perfect world for the Carolina Panthers. That's Jeremy Fowler. I'll tell you what, man. Carolina Panthers... I believe in one of the most unenviable spots of anybody in the league. Yeah. They they have a coach that's going to be on the hot seat soon. They can't get the quarterback situation right. They don't have a lot of good options at quarterback this year, and they have no picks really to make anything happen over the next couple of days other than this one selection where they might be forced to reach for something like a quarterback. I don't know. If I'm a Panthers, listen, you don't want to be picking number one. you got a lot of work to do. You don't want to be picking multiple times to the top ten, the Jets and the Giants. you got a lot of work to do. But at least when you have that, you feel like you can do some things correctly that might flip it. I'm not sure about the Panthers. I don't even think they know what they want to do with Christian McCaffrey. I even don't think they want him anymore. True. It's really a wild thing in Carolina. It's a weird spot. Yeah, absolutely. Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, the eve of the NFL draft, 2022. Who cares about the Carolina Panthers? Nobody. Who care about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Facts. They can have Sam Darnold. We've got Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, we do. Who will we have tomorrow night in Jacksonville, 815, when they make the number one overall pick of the 2022 NFL Draft? Will it be an offensive lineman? Cam Robinson extended. That is a done deal or at least agreed upon deal. So that's going to happen. So we've spent a lot of time already talking about offensive linemen, like we've done really the last couple of months, but uh, now to a more urgent degree about the offensive linemen available in this draft. Iki Iquanu, NC State, Evan Neal, Alabama, the two studs, Charles Cross, the guy that's come across our mock drafts, but I don't think he's in the conversation, folks, out of Mississippi State. Let's start and break down these guys and get some evaluations, analysis of these offensive linemen because offensive line play is really hard to analyze without stats. We just don't have them. And so, Casey, we're going to hear from some folks, read some comments from others, and also Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber caught up with both of these players today in Las Vegas, so we'll hear from them as well. Let's begin with Iki Iquanu, the left tackle out of NC State that might kick in the guard, could also play right tackle. Here's what they're saying about Iki. Mikeum Ekwonder, North Carolina State, offensive line, six foot four, 320 pounds. As both a guard and tackle, Ekwonu has been called Mr. Pancake due to his many pancake blocks and a rare, violent, and devastating blocking style. He was a unanimous All-American selection last season. As a run blocker, he's physically imposing and often produces entertaining highlight reel stuff. He's strong, explosive, athletic, and powerful. All right, so there you go. There's a little rundown of what Iki Iquano would be and is, and that should come as no surprise given the fact that he's one of the top picks available in this draft. Now, Casey Kurtz, what does my man DJ say? What does Daniel Jeremiah say about Iki Iquano? Uh, of course, DJ 
from the NFL Network. Yeah, in terms of top players in the draft, Daniel Jeremiah has him as number three. Calls him a thick, okay, you know, calm down, DJ, but all right, a thick and powerful tackle prospect with a nasty play style. And pass protection, he carries his hands low, but delivers a quick, powerful punch to stun edge rushers. He is quick to kick out and handle the speed on the edge, but he has issues oversetting, resulting in pressures. He can sink his weight in and observe all rushers. Aquanu is quick out of his stance and pulls and delivers knockout shots at the second and third levels. He constantly blocks to and through the whistle, so penalties, but, you know, it's okay. He's not a finished product in pass production, but the tools are there. Worst case scenario, he slides inside and becomes a Pro Bowl caliber guard. I just... uh I love that last line, but I hate that last line. Uh, same like, thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. It's like, why are we planning on the worst-case scenario that he's going to be a guard? I mean, it is two different guys, guard and tackle. I know you can play. It's versatile game right now. But I just don't lo- – like, I don't get excited about my guy being a left tackle if every time I hear analysis it's a, hey, but by the way, if he's not good, we'll move him here. Yeah, no, like, I agree. Hey, guess what? If Trevor Lawrence isn't good, we'll move him to backup quarterback. <laughs> like, right. Like, how comforting is that? You know? So it doesn't do much for me to hear that part of it. But I do respect Daniel Jeremiah. And maybe most importantly, out of all the players on the draft board for him, he has a quantum rank number three overall. That certainly, if it aligns with the thinking of a guy like Balky Peterson, the staff of the Jags, which certainly it could. Jeremiah has been a scouting guy before. He's been part of NFL organizations. If that does align, then the Jags do could possibly have a Quano in the top five, and he could be one of their guys that they covet as that number one overall pick. Today in Las Vegas, Iki Aquanu is there for the draft festivities. Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber also there for the draft festivities. He caught up with Aquanu a short time ago. Catching up with Iki Aquanu, the offensive lineman from NC State. Do people normally call you a tackle, guard? Do you care? Do you like offensive linemen? Just kind of uh, leave it open for you? I like O-line. You know, if, if any coach asks me or, you know, anybody asks me, you know, obviously I see myself as a tackle, but, you know, the versatility is something that's obviously one of my greatest strengths coming into the draft, and, you know, I'm really willing to play, you know, any anywhere and everywhere. So. How are those conversations with teams when, when they're broaching that topic mm-hmm. and saying, hey, we, we might have a spot here in this guard spot. Maybe that's a spot where you'd fill right in. I mean, yeah, like, like I said, I feel like I can play guard, tackle, you know, right, left side, wherever they need me to play. So I tell teams, you know, I, I see myself as a left tackle. I have that confidence that I, I can play tackle in this, in this league. But, you know, if they pick me up and they feel like we can win the most games at me playing, you know, guard, then, you know, I'll play, I'll play some guard for them. Talk me through your conversations with Jacksonville, with Doug Peterson, the new coaching staff there. What has that been like, kind of getting to know those guys and, and knowing that, you know, they're the ones who had that first pick so they can kind of decide who they want to go with? I mean, it was great. You know, obviously, meeting Coach Peterson, you know, he has, a, obviously, you know, pretty good history in the NFL, you know, Super Bowl champion, all that sort of stuff. So it was great kind of just being able to kind of just, you know, chat with him a little bit, talk with him, and kind of just going through the whole staff. You know, it was, I feel like it was, you know, a great, great meeting. Um, and I was really just excited just to be in the building. I overheard you talking about the suit. You're excited about draft day. What has this experience been like to, to kind of get flown out here and to, to go through the pace a little bit but, but know that that ultimate dream is coming true tomorrow night? I mean, honestly, this has been a blessing. You know, it's not a lot of people that can go through this experience. You see around here, it's only like 20, 25 of us that had a whole college football landscape. So, obviously, this is one of a kind of opportunity. I just feel blessed and excited each and every day that I get to go through this process. Well, there is Iki Aquanu, the NC State offensive lineman. 
We won't name him a tackle. We'll call him offensive lineman. Can't imagine he'd be a left tackle here in Jacksonville after the Cam Robinson news. How high on the board is Iki Aquanu for the Jacksonville Jaguars? A lot of steam. There's a lot of fans that would like to see it happen. And it would certainly strengthen the offensive line if you put him somewhere. Because he's obviously a good player. How much would it strengthen? How much would he fit into playing guard in the NFL? How much could he slide over to the right tackle? Those are all questions the Jags have to ask themselves. And uh, we'll find out if those uh, answers come to fruition tomorrow night with the first overall pick when it comes to Iki Aquanu. Meanwhile, let's stay on the tackles or the offensive linemen. These versatile players may be forced into being versatile. Evan Neal from Alabama. Here's what the experts say about the big-time prospect. Evan Neal, offensive lineman, 6'7", 350 pounds, Alabama. Neal uses his massive frame to be a dominant run blocker and can wear down defenders. He impressed by moving from right tackle to left tackle his last season in college, showing his versatility. He should be a day-one starter for the team that selects him. He ruffled a few feathers by refusing to run the 40-yard dash and other timed workouts for scouts, saying his abilities are on the tape for all to see. Well, that is the story when it comes to Evan Neal. Well, what about the story from Daniel Jeremiah on Evan Neal? And I love to hear this, Casey, because I want to know why Neal has slipped a little bit. Yeah, uh, he has him as his number eight player in the top 150, so under Iki Aquanu by a couple of spots, but calls him a massive left tackle at six foot seven and a half. Don't forget the half. 337 pounds. That's a big human. And he has strong hands, quick feet, and awareness. In the passing game, he has the foot quickness to handle speed rushers. He uses his length to keep his chest clean and has a firm anchor versus power rushers. He can bend his knees and sink his weight. But there are times when he gets too aggressive, lunges, and winds up on the ground. He has the athleticism to adjust at the second level and in space on screens. Overall, I'd like to see him improve his patience and balance, but he has all of the tools to emerge as a frontline starting tackle early in his career. There we go. Uh, we'll see uh, if that comes to fruition for Evan Neal. Here's Action Sports Shack Stuart Weber out in Las Vegas catching up with the Alabama big man. Let's first talk about Jacksonville. Uh, Tell me how those interactions have been and, and what those conversations have been like with the guys inside the building in, in Florida. Yeah, when I took my top 30 visit, you know, it was a, a really good vibe, you know, good energy. They got a lot of new construction and stuff going on. So I, I feel like they're really trying to invest in their program and, you know, uh, get them moving in the right direction. Uh, all the conversations with the coaches and stuff I had been really good conversations. Yeah, we talk ball and stuff like that, obviously, but it's pretty much one of those get-to-know-you kind of things. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Obviously a big emphasis for the Jaguars, protecting Trevor Lawrence, uh, a guy that you're pretty familiar with uh, just from, you know, Alabama-Clemson duels here for a few years now. Uh, when, when you think about getting into the NFL and, and getting into one of those roles where you're going to protect a big-name guy wherever you go, uh, what is that like for you? Uh, that's awesome, man. Shoot. But, I mean, my mindset, regardless of who back there, I'm going to protect him with my life. So uh, it really doesn't matter. I'm just going to go out there and execute my job to my highest potential. And finally, how much has your time in Alabama prepared you for this? I mean, it's it's a constant thing there. These guys are, are going on to the NFL and coming back and telling you guys kind of what to expect. Oh, yeah. Uh, plan for Coach Saban definitely, definitely, you know, prepared me for this moment uh, just by how he runs his organization. You know, I call it an organization because that's what it is. Uh, you definitely uh, have to love football and, you know, it teaches you how to be a pro for sure. 
Well, that is Evan Neal. Nice job by Stuart Weber catching up with Icky Aquanu and Evan Neal. How about this, Casey Kurtz? I was reading up on Evan Neal a little bit. He was an 11-pound baby, 22 inches. That's a, that's a big fella now. Yeah. And in his eighth grade, he was like 6'6", 380. Jeez. I think in high school, 6'7", 390. Can you imagine what the other team did when they rolled him out there at left tackle? Like the dude that was supposed to rush the passer and he rolls out there in high school? I mean, yeah, you're probably rolling. Sometimes you're rolling out a kid that, that might be like 210 pounds on that side. I got to find those high school highlights, like just to see how much he was just absolutely manhandling these children. And then I give Neil credit because now he's really like trimmed down his body. And at Alabama, I think he dropped uh, as much as 50 pounds to his frame. Jeez. And, and so now he's a super, I mean, you watch him move and he really can move for a big fella now. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive to watch. And so, I mean, that gets you excited, I guess. I mean, but. I mean, how often do you see that? You know, I love those drills that they do, and you, they're dancing around with their footwork, and their footwork looks good, and you're like, wow, six, seven, three forty-five, and he can move like that. Well, that's great, but you're really playing that position most of the time in like a, you know, two-by-two-foot box. True. That is <laughs> true. Know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, it does show off footwork, and I get it. But that's Evan Neal. That's Icky Aquanu. Those are the stories on those guys. Uh, by the way, Evan Neal sounds like he's like 55 years old. Yeah, I would not mess with Evan Neal solely off his voice. <laughs> and then when you see the like, when you see the man in person, like I really wish. Do you guys have video of this? Like Stewart trying to interview this man? No offense. Stuart. Oh yeah, actually that's probably a great shot. You're right. We'll yeah. get that. Are they yeah, even we'll in the that. frame? Yeah, no, that's a good call. Stay that's tuned for really that. We will let, we will update you because <laughs> there's a size yeah, difference there. Those conversations coming up tonight on CBS 47 Fox 30. And by the way, that will be something to watch. Stuart Weber at like 5'8", and uh, Evan Neal at 6'7". <sighs> a whole foot. Stewart also caught up with uh, Aiden Hutchinson as well, so we'll have that conversation along the way. Hey, special moment tonight for uh, one of the longtime coaches in the area. We chat with him coming up next on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. The MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. I mean, they're bad. Everyone knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. They're bad. They don't care. The MLB doesn't give a damn about it. They don't care. Um, we've told them our problems with them. They don't care. What are the problems with them? What's different about them? They're all different. The first inning, they're 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 decent. The third inning, they're bad. The fourth inning, they're okay. The fifth inning, they're bad. Um, then we have different climates. Every, everything's everything's different. There's no no there's no common ground with the balls. There's nothing nothing the same. Outing to outing, they're bad. Is that Garrett Cole? I'm just guessing because he's complaining. Uh, uh, I like what you're thinking there, but that is Chris Bassett. Mm. You know who that is? No. He's the pride of my fantasy team, but he's mad about the baseballs, as he should be. Is that a big thing, the baseballs again? Just the inconsistencies for the pitchers, huh? Yeah, it's big right now. Do they want the sticky stuff? I guess they maybe want the sticky stuff back. So, man, athletes will complain about everything. See, this is what happens. They want the perfect scenario. How about a little adversity? What happened when you were a kid and you couldn't play with a baseball that had consistent grip to it? And you didn't play with a brand-new baseball every inning? 
Just be a kid, guys. Go out there and play. So what if it's for millions of dollars? That's what I got to say. Brent Martin, no, Casey Kurtz. We're on the eve of the NFL Draft 2022. Uh, baseball season underway, of course, but it's not a big topic right now. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp on ESPN 690 tonight. Uh, you can hear that right after our show in the Action Sports Jacks OT with Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton, and then off to the Jumbo Shrimp game, and they are playing well. Nine out of ten wins uh, in their last ten games. So I would say that is playing pretty well. We have a special guest on right now all the way from St. Augustine and I want to say hello to Bob Escara who is uh, well participating in his last high school game tonight at least that he knows of and, and we think um, happy retirement on the way Bob. Thanks for take, taking a few minutes on this game night uh, so we could wish you well into retirement. Yeah thank you very much. Um, uh, yes this is my last official home game at in Augustine High after 35 years. Um, you know, had a great uh, career, uh, had a lot of fun, over 1,600 games coached in my career. And, uh, yes, it's uh, bittersweet. Um, yes, so the games tonight is against Riverside here at St. Augustine High at 5-7. and seven. Um, Last night, I got a big surprise after our game last night. I'm uh, standing at the concession stand. I just got finished doing the field, getting it ready for tonight. And I, they go, hey, we got a special surprise for you. I turn around, and it's Boston Red Sox, New York Yankee, pitching legend Louis Tiot. Um, his, his granddaughter plays JV, so I had no idea he was going to be there. But he was one of my uh, uh, favorite players growing up as a little kid. So, Tonight, he's actually going to be here again to throw out the first pitch at my um, last home game here at St. Augustine High. How about that? That's very cool. Louis Tiant uh, in town did not realize that. Now, this, So he obviously has connections to the area. You said his granddaughter is on the JV yes, team, plays softball? Yes. Yeah, she plays. actually plays uh, some JV and also varsity level. Uh, freshman, and so I had no idea he's gonna he's gonna be there. But um, got a um, opportunity to take pictures with him. Uh, he uh, let me put on his uh, Boston Red Sox championship ring. So every anytime Boston Red Sox wins the championship, he gets one as well. So uh, pretty heavy, pretty heavy with a lot of diamonds and everything. But it was it was a great opportunity to meet my uh, uh, childhood legend. You know, so. That's awesome. That's uh, that is very cool. 35 years. And, by the way, you, you've done it in a bunch of different sports, from football to basketball to uh, boys basketball, girls basketball, slow-pitch softball, and then fast-pitch softball because there's an evolution there. I mean, you used to play slow-pitch yeah. softball. Now, the game of fast-pitch softball is not that old. If people don't know that, it's kind of like a early to mid-'90s sport. Uh, why did you transition from football, basketball into softball? Uh, when I was at St. Joseph Academy for 23 years, great school, um, I was at one time AD, uh, head football coach, boys and girls varsity basketball coach, and softball coach at, in one year and top uh, full-time. So, uh, But the transition came about 1993. Uh, slow pitch went to fast pitch, um, and, um, and that's how I got over to that. But... Um, it's just a great opportunity to coach some really great uh, young student athletes that really work hard in the classroom um, and also on the field. But it, it's been great uh, just have an opportunity to, to coach and 
to let the talents that God has given me to uh, uh, teach these young uh, young people um, uh, how, how to become true players, uh, students, uh, people of the community as well. You know, we just got done doing an Any for Cancer game uh, this year uh, and raised close to $10,000 for cancer. So um, that's just one of the things that uh, I put into uh, my programs that uh, I think it's very important to get back to the community. Bob Escara with us uh, as he uh, heads off into retirement after 35 years coaching uh, varsity football, boys basketball, girls basketball, slow pitch softball, fast pitch softball. Louis Tiak going to be down there to throw out the first pitch tonight, which is very cool. Uh, two thoughts, and, and then we'll let you run. Appreciate joining us on a game day. St. Augustine Yellow Jackets, that community down there, they love their high school sports. How cool has it been to be a part of that? And what do you say when people have said, nowadays they'll say the athlete has really changed, the kids have changed, it's a lot harder now, it's different. Have you seen as massive of a change in the kid and high school sports uh, as everybody else says it is? Um, Right now, to be honest with you, uh, the kids are still the same, but technology has taken over a lot. So they're on their phones, they're doing all this and that. But this community in St. Augustine has been outstanding. They, uh, you know, when I got here to St. Augustine, Joey Wilds, um, you know, football Hall of Famer brought me in here to St. Augustine, and, and it really took off. And what a great opportunity to be around some great coaches, great people, great administration. But it's family. It's all about family and looking out for one another. And so, you know, one of the stories that everybody asks me, so what, what, what's the, the, one of the greatest things that's happened in your career? And I have to say it is when I was a head football coach for one year, what, nine and one, and this kid came out and he goes, hey, I'd love to kick. And I said, okay, let me see what you can do. So he kicked the football and I uh, said, okay, I think you can help us out. So we go over to the panhandle, and we're playing a game, and uh, it's fourth down, and I, as a head coach, I'm like, let's go for it, field goal. And uh, he goes, oh, great, my, you know, I'm waiting for my parents to be here and everything. I said, okay. Coaches run over there and say, no, 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 the kid can't make it. So he, he kicks it and makes a 51-yard field goal in high school. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. So he's, he's sad. He was sad, and I'm like, he just kicked a 51-yard field goal. He goes, I know my parents aren't here yet. And so later on the game, he goes, my parents got here, and it was late third quarter. And uh, so I, I go, and I said, okay, field goal. And the coaches come up, and they say, no, no, no. And so I said, let's go for it. He kicked one, made it the first time. He hits a 55-yard field goal. Wow. And then <laughs> nails it. So uh, the college – picks him up, he goes on to Tulane, and then he becomes the best kicker in the nation at Tulane, and then he's now kicking, uh, Kansas City Chiefs picks him up, and now he's kicking for the Chicago Bears. That's Cairo Santos, was one of my uh, players, um, and I I kid with him because we still talk, and I was like, what if I listen to the coaches and let's punt? Nobody would have saw those two field goals. He goes, yeah, it changed my life. How about so, that? Great uh, story. That was a, a great, great story. He was a soccer um, uh, player from Brazil, was a foreign exchange student, and he just came out. And just, you know, just the opportunities that the kids take and, and really run with it and, and really go on to uh, be successful. And that's one of the stories of my life uh, as, a, as a coach 
uh, to see that. But also I have had an opportunity to coach all six of my kids um, who have been great student athletes, have all of them gone on to college. Carolyn's my senior uh, right here on the team this year, and she'll be the last one. And so had a lot of success, a great support from my wife, Teresa. Um, just it's been a great year, great opportunity, great 35 years, and wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, it made a lot of impact on a lot of different kids and families' lives. Congratulations to you. I don't know why you stopped football at, after 9-1, and one, Coach, uh, <laughs> but that's a heck of a winning percentage. Well, I did, I did go on and uh, coach with uh, Joey Wiles uh, yeah. at St. Augustine as assistant coach. I was running back coach and did a little bit off the line and everything. But, um, no, uh, shoot, with Joey Wiles, I uh, had an opportunity to go to seven uh, state playoffs uh, with uh, the Jackets, and that that was a lot of fun. And uh, what a great mentor and a great person. And I learned a lot from him as well. You know, he, he told me one thing. You know, and I, it stays to me today because somebody asked him, how do you uh, enjoy being a coach? And he goes, it's not me. I surround myself with positive people, and I get positive results. And that's what St. Augustine's about. We, we Great administration, great athletic director. Uh, Jeff Holland was the athletic director when I got here. Now it's Quinterrence Cooper. I mean, you're talking about guys who have played here and have uh, left their mark on community and uh, the school as well. And, and I really look up to that. And uh, like I said, some great, outstanding people. Bob Escara, we've got NFL drafts coverage, or I'd love to be down there tonight. Make sure you send some pictures of you and Louis Tion throwing out that first pitch so we can mention it on CBS 47 and Fox 30 as well. Enjoy the evening, and congrats on a great career. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, all right, that's Bob Escara uh, from St. Augustine High School. By the way, if you add up all the wins, it's almost 1,000 wins from JV, varsity level, over 35 years of coaching. Uh, so congratulations once again to Bob and, and uh, all the kids he's impacted over the years. And that will be a fun night out there at St. Augustine. Wish we could be down there for it. Obviously, just a lot going on uh, with the NFL draft. Uh, shock your mock season is here. One last day and more NFL draft coverage, including Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber with Aiden Hutchinson out in Las Vegas. We'll have the story and more coming up on ESPN 690. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.